tune in, tone up. Your one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques and advice. With me, Gary Shilliday, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In part one of lesson 12, we look at some interesting ideas and techniques inspired by the incredible way Hendrix played guitar, mixing rhythm with lead. Listen out next week for the second part of this lesson when we discuss the topic of jamming and some hints on how to play with others. Okay, Dan, I've been jamming with some friends, mm -hmm. and I just wondered if you had a few hints about etiquette for jamming or how to get the most out of a jamming session. Also, I still think my rhythm playing can be worked on a little bit, and who better to look at than Hendrix? Yeah, I think that's a, a really good plan. Everyone kind of knows the sound when they hear it when it comes to Jimi Hendrix. I think especially in recent years we've heard quite a lot of that sort of sound from the Chili Peppers, especially maybe the John Frusciante mm. sort of era. What is it about that style of rhythm playing that appeals to you? Uh, it's that loose, twiddly, sometimes there's maybe 30 second notes in there. It's the mixing of the lead and the rhythm and the atmosphere that he gets. Yeah, that's all absolutely valid stuff. I think you have to remember as well that when we're looking at these bands, like these classic rock bands and, and that sort of thing, I know Jimi Hendrix was a bit more psychedelic than that, but he falls under the same 60s banner as, as many. Back then was a very different time. And when a band went in the studio, although there were some, some bands like Pink Floyd later on in the 60s and, and the later 60s albums that the Beatles produced, and of course the infamous Beach Boys Pet Sounds was an absolutely amazing album you know from the point of view of production alone quite you know a seminal album these sort of things were were really the start of when things became a bit more studio -y, i suppose where things became more produced so where producers of albums would get their hands on them maybe sort of add things to records such as music concrete have you heard of music concrete no i haven't no this is when something's added into music that isn't music so you might have a radio broadcast, a TV broadcast, the sound uh, of the ocean. Like the start of Wish You Were Here uh, with um, Pink Floyd, Wish You Were Here, when it's got the radio changing channels. Yeah, or another another Floyd one, you know, it's, it's always going to be the Floyd, isn't it, who use this kind of stuff. At the beginning of the Momentary Lapse of Reason album, which is a, a fantastic yeah, album. Yeah, I love that album. There's a track at the beginning which starts with a boat being rowed on the water, yeah. and then this very eerie guitar and synth comes in, and it's, it, you know, if that ain't atmospheric, then I'm a bowl of soup. You know, this, this yeah. was the time when things were going that way. But for a lot of bands, I suppose, taking things out live, a lot of bands were still kind of raw. They'd go into a studio, it's literally four guys in a studio playing their instruments, and maybe, if you were lucky, overdubbing the vocals on later. Here's a little bit of trivia for you as well. 
I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, if a million people go on Twitter and say that the fat one's wrong, <laughs> fair enough, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, but, please, a million people go on Twitter. <laughs> but I believe the granddaddy of multi-track recording was actually Les Paul. Les right. Paul was an inventor, hence he had a big hand in the Les Paul guitar. But he had other inventions too, and I believe one of them was multi-track recording. Ah. He was the grand-granddaddy of multi-track recording. Multi-talented. Not off. <laughs> multi-track, yeah. multi-talented, mate. But coming back to earth with this one and the whole rhythm playing thing, when you boil it down, you know, a lot of bands, when they went out live, you know, before things got more automated and you could have, you know, sort of things on backing track and drummers worked with click track so you could put extra things with songs. You know, it was guys on stage playing guitars and producing a noise. Yeah. Yeah, you know, hopefully a pleasurable one. And if you found yourself in Jimi Hendrix's situation where he was, he was quite reluctant to sing, he didn't have the best voice. Mm-hmm. He had a voice that suited what he did, and I imagine he wrote songs around it. But I think he had to be persuaded to sing. I think it might have been Chaz Chandler who persuaded mm-hmm. him. They went out as a three-piece. Now, of course, if you tour a three-piece, especially if you're just starting out, it's going to be cheaper, it's going to yeah. be easier. All of that stuff applies. But it also means that to get the songs that you've done in the studio and put them across in the best way possible, your guitar playing is going to have to kind of work with that so that it makes sense. You're getting up there and playing four bar chords. It's fine when you're a punk band. But for some of Jimi Hendrix's more intricate, more melodic things, and even some of his quite, you know, some of it was quite driving and funky, Yeah, yeah that was never really going to do. So what I'm kind of saying in a very very roundabout way apologies for that it's towards the end of the 60s bands started becoming far more produced but before that it was guys in a room recording guys in a big hall going and playing to other people so when you're trying to make a sound that's big and there's only three of you then what's the harmony instrument in the band out of bass guitar and drums i mean you could say bass to a point but he's busy pinning down the bass line so i guess it's one guy on a guitar. So yeah. we need to extend the range of that guitar. We need to extend the range of the parts. The parts need to fill in some of those amazing gaps, which another guitarist would otherwise fill, but he isn't there, so you're going to have to. So we might write songs which have kind of a basic sort of chord progression in them, but there's lots we can do to, to extend the chords. And it's quite easy to learn, really. It's a matter of kind of learning how maybe we could extend a minor shape extend a major shape on what we could do to make that happen now i'm quite well versed in this because this was one of the big questions i had some years back when i had a few lessons with the late great big jim sullivan yeah british session guitarist extraordinaire he's amazing isn't he well was he was a great player yeah in his in his in his heyday he was quite something else became very ill in his later years unfortunately Talking to some of the people who played him, I think played with him. I think the playing slipped as well a little bit, unfortunately. But yeah, taught me an awful lot. The first question I had for him was this question. I said to him, you know, I've been hearing these Jimi Hendrix things, you know, Axis, Boulders, Love, Little Wing. I can hear all these double stops. <laughs> Damned if I know how to get to that. You know, how how do we play that? Now, you've got to bear in mind for me as well, at the time, I was about 20 years old. So we're turning the clock back 24 years, folks. 
I've only owned a computer for 10, so that should tell you something. Now, I know computers have been around longer than that, and probably we've been used to sort of having computers around us in our homes for maybe the last 15 years, 20 years. Yeah, but you couldn't really use use them for anything guitar-y, could you? Not really. No, I mean, this is... the early days. Kid, kids these days, don't know how lucky <laughs> they are, old chap. But, you know, you, you have more access than ever before to free tuition, free tabs and all that sort of thing. Back in my day, when I was a boy, you mm. had to go to the music shop on your feet and, uh, and go and find the tabs, find the book, purchase them using coinage, return home <laughs> and work on it all weekend until you decided it's far too difficult to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> so yeah, li- literally back then, you either used your ears and, yeah. and did it that way, or you got it out of a book. So it's, sometimes it was a lot harder in a way to, to, to kind of get the information that, that we needed. So that's why, at that time, I asked him this question. We didn't have an internet, there was no way of finding out, so that was my answer. So to start with, let's look at maybe a minor chord and how we can extend that. Yep. A major chord, how we can extend that. And how we can maybe make it work over an entire chord progression. Good stuff. Can I jump in as well and jump, say this is... Uh, just done a very different kind of note, just to say uh, thank you very much to Strutt in America uh, for his uh, very lovely comment, um, and we hope we're helping a lot of other people out as well. And so a lot of this rhythm stuff, is what he said, has been helping him, and mm. uh, hopefully this helps too. So thanks very much, Strutt. A massive thank you from all that tipped you. <laughs> Brilliant, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Okay, let's go. Excellent. Yeah, I appreciated that comment too. I thought it was uh, very gracious. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at a normal B minor bar chord played up on the 7th fret. 7999777. Now, presuming we're in the key of B minor, we can quite happily, looking at the A, the D, actually the E, the A, the D, the G, and the top E strings, only really the, the B string falls outside of this. Using the notes on the 7-9 is going to work. So I've sort of flattened a finger across both 7 frets of the A and the D. Then hammered on to the 9. Okay, gotcha. So One string at a So when we get to the B string, in the key of B minor, B natural minor scale goes B, C sharp, D, E, F sharp, G, A, and back to B again. So you notice the G is there, not a G sharp. Now when we get up to the B, that ninth fret, it's a bit of a rogue, because it's a G sharp on the B string at the ninth fret. Yeah, okay, Whereas in the key of B minor, we want a G. Yeah, so it's the, if you like the Dorian as opposed to the lateral minor. Yeah. If you're playing the blues, that's fine. Yep. Because that G yep. can go up to a G sharp if you're playing a blues in a major key. However, for our purposes of B minor, the B string is the rogue. So when we get there, we can look at the 8th fret. So, pinning 
works pretty well over that chord. Now something else that, that works as well is this little shape. Now you, we all know about like the power chords yep. that we get from playing a root note, so I'm going to stick with the key of B. Root note, 7th fret on the B, oh sorry, on the E string, giving us a B note. And then ninth fret on the A string, giving us an F sharp. That together gives us a B5 power chord, essentially. Yep. But that little shape... That shape itself. Can also be used. Now I had to use some other shapes there to make it work. Yeah, yeah. But from here, we can slide from the seventh to the ten and back again. And then oh, both of those work, so we can go from the on the next pair of strings from the 7 to the 9 to the 10 and back again. The next one, 7 and 9. Then we get here, and that little shape we did before, uh, yeah, like a D, you. on the 7 and the you 8. You go right up to 10 as well. Yeah. top so we've got seven. now of course at the moment it sounds like a whole bitty selection yeah but you would throw in maybe an odd one of these sliding up and back again two-for-one offer here. Yeah. Using our B minor as, as like a springboard, if we want to play the relative major chord, yep. we can use the same pull-offs and hammer-ons. For the relative for, major, for in this D. case, the D. Yeah. So if you think of a normal D chord played on the A string, starting on the A string, yep. the fifth fret going five, seven, seven, seven. Yes. Got that. We all, we all 
know and love this shape and use it to uh, our heart's content. Using that little B minor extension of the 7 and the 9, yeah. but instead of landing back on the B minor, back on the the D. Brilliant, right size. Just Easy the same piece. <laughs> And then use your third finger as you slide. So imagine this little maneuver is the one to, to get in. Playing the chord, bringing your third finger from the D. I've got my third finger covering three strings, folks. I know yeah. that's not textbook, but it works for me. Yeah, and me, actually. And we lift that across the seventh fret on the A string. And slide. And then replace our third finger where it was with our first. Gotcha. Third finger, slide. First finger replaces oh, it on the second fret. chords yeah okay pretty cool okay, okay, so let's cool. say we were going B minor A G D I'm gonna use the same trick and maneuver basically the yeah. B minor we've seen how closely related that is to the one on the D chord but I'm gonna do the same thing for the A but the A can be played either down here in the open position yeah. sliding from First finger covering the second fret of the D, G, and B strings with the open A there. Third finger coming across the second fret, sliding up to the fourth. And that third finger that was, well, first finger, I guess, down there, being yeah. replaced back again. Or I can play it high up. And the G. Yeah, 12, 14, 14, 14. And the G can be 10, 12, 12, 12. So. Two frets low gives you the G. Round. 
pretty uh, pretty great plane, isn't it? <laughs> Just following the same, same little shape, shapes. moved yeah. around. Yeah, it sounds really impressive, you know. Yeah, yeah. Probably if you went into a pub and did that, people would go, "Wow, that's amazing." Yeah, but it's great. It's great. It's, it's a simple idea, it. though, transferred into lots of different places. Yeah, and there's some things on the guitar that work brilliantly from the same place because you know we could get to all of those chords: B minor, A, G, D, from pretty much a few frets apart. So this is moving things around a bit. But if you want that Hendrixy kind of sound, it means your your brain and your fingers get around it very, very easily because you've just got to do the same stuff in different yeah. places. Yeah, okay. I'm not about making the guitar as impossible as it's possible to do. I think there's certainly room for things that are complicated. And I kind of like to be able to play stuff that other people maybe are not sure how to play. We all yeah. like to fox people. But also for certain things with rhythm... You know, you've got to keep up the groove. You Make need, it easy for yourself, <laughs> yeah. Especially if you've got to sing as well, if yeah, you've got yeah, to sing yeah. and play. So that's one little manoeuvre that works surprisingly really nice. well and is surprisingly easy to rip through. I heard a phrase earlier this week, and I don't let the scale play you. And while there are times when, you know, if you want to rip through something real fast, you know, you, you certainly need to kind of maybe sort of have a, a pattern that you can repeat enough times and, and, and with enough ease to kind of sort of rip through so it's kind of exciting and it does what it's supposed to in the track. When we're sort of playing and, and, and trying to be melodic as well, we don't want to just rip through scales. You know, this isn't playing a solo. That's not playing a solo. It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's playing through a scale shape and varying yeah. your rhythm. It's, it's not good karma. Yeah, you need to be a bit more creative and inventive than that if yeah. you're going to cut the mustard. So there is an element of truth of, you know, yeah, don't let the scale play you. But I think as well, when you're playing these rhythm things, especially for the people who are maybe just embarking on this, because to a lot of people, rhythm and lead live in two different worlds. It was the infamous Guthrie Govan who said that when he was younger, you know, to him, rhythm was chords. This was rhythm. <laughs> This was a solo. And the two <laughs> never met. <laughs> yeah. And he said that a big leap forward to him, and hopefully the folks listening in would agree, that when you understand that the lead solo, the notes used in that, the notes used that you can use in the rhythm parts, and the chords that all work together, it's one big engine that works together. If you were to draw it like a diagram, almost like a Venn diagram, and you had leads, solos, fills, chords, melody, every circle would overlap with another one because it's all in the same bracket. It's all in the same pond, if yeah. you see what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that, yeah. Yeah. So when we're trying to decide how we can add notes onto things, the thing that we really need to know is what key are we playing in? It's good to know this stuff, good to know some shortcuts, what we can add to a minor scale, what we can add to a sorry, a minor chord or a major chord or a diminished chord or whatever. But know the scale your thing is in, know the key that the thing is in and the scale that's being played that works. If your first chord is B minor and you play a B minor scale over the top and it sounds crap, you'll know. Yeah. And you'll know that that was not the right one. So when it comes to other things we can add, the little F shape is also really good. And this is another very much a Hendrixism. And right. that was sort of taking, I mean, we can do it on the minor as well. It's adding the ninth, basically, which is the note, which is a step. 
as the Americans would say, or a whole tone, yep. two frets, if you're a guitar teacher, <laughs> above yeah. the root note. So if we're in B, in our B minor chord, we're adding the C sharp on the top string at the ninth fret. And with all of the other chords, like the A, you can do it like an F shape, like a little F shape if you want. Very Hendrixy to do it that way. So you would have heard the sort of this sort of phrase in Fire by Jimi Hendrix, maybe. Yeah. Baby, let me stand next to your fire. That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, you can do the same here. kind of works if you wanted to do something real pretty you could use a similar idea but slowing it down it sounds kind of quite pretty Similar. I used a couple of extra notes, but nothing extravagant. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, go for the pretty, pretty vibe. Mm-hmm. Something that may have come as a surprise there was I used the open strings. Yeah. So this one here, this G up at the 10th, that we've been playing, 10, 12, 12, and 12, the little extension to the 14th on the A string. Imagine that down here in the open position. to an open D. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I did a dodgy note in there, but you got you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. down to the D just take that phrase and move it onto the lower string and now you've got the little D down there ah okay so yeah did like that you did because I was going to bring it up anyway so I'm really glad that you put it in yourself was the oh, suspended yeah, chords yeah yeah they're... I mean those again they're great ways of doing things because essentially if you look at a suspended chord not a million miles away say A suspended A suspended 4 yeah. it's not a million miles apart from a D chord is it no even a D suspended 2 it's, it's bond, or, it? or an A suspended 4 Fourth. so that means that you can kind of almost use your D is like a suspended chord. This is enough yeah. to get you on sort of a slightly different path with maybe some of these rhythm things you want to do. Yeah. So you know what you can do with the minor chord and the major chord. And what I will say now, the most amazing thing with the guitar, at times the most frustrating thing, is that you can do whatever you want to do with it. You take it to wherever you want to take it. And I don't mean that in a hippie way. I mean, people have come to me over the years with lots of different remits. I had one guy phone me up 15 years ago or more 
This guy had worked for Cisco Systems, a big telecommunications company. And of course, working somewhere like that, he was an account manager, so driven, you know, um, big bucks. And the people who work in that kind of environment, they're driven, they're, you know, they're earning big money and all the rest of it. They're very goal-driven. What do I have to do to reach A, B and C? And so, as a typical goal-driven person, he said to me, how long will it take me to learn guitar? My answer came back, I think he was quite astounded, but he did get it. He's an intelligent guy. I said to him, Grant, how long have you got? I said, I've been playing guitar all my adult life. I've been playing since I was about nine or ten. And never stop learning. Never get to the end of it. There's always, when you do a show, I could have played that solo differently. I could have played that better. I should have known that better than I did. I should have answered that question better than I did. With music, it's this never-ending thing. My previous guitar teacher I had back in the day referred to the guitar as the best toy he'd ever bought, meaning that you never get to the end of this thing. You know, this is the gift that keeps on giving <laughs> in the nicest possible yeah. way. And that's the beauty with the guitar, is that you take it away you want. If you want to learn six chords and entertain your mates around the bonfire, great. Buy yourself a nice acoustic guitar and learn some chords, get some lessons off a cool teacher you like, learn some cool songs until you can learn them yourself. And away you go. Happy days. Nothing yeah. wrong with that. Yeah. Nothing Get wrong there with that. Relatively quickly. Yeah, probably <laughs> would. You know, if you want to be <coughs> the world's next virtuoso, well, that's a whole different ball game. But when it comes to playing and making sense of it, this also applies because you can take a whole lot of information and kind of it will fry your brain. Mm. But there's nothing wrong with that. And try and apply all of the information all the time, or you can take a little bit of information. And let it take you a long way until you've used up all of that and then you want to push the boundaries. You know, and you can you can be happy with the information you've been given or you can start doing some digging. I was chatting yesterday to a guitar player called Alex Hazel, who's a great player who I work with regularly in my band Full House. And Alex wants to move his playing on. And he said to me, he said, I'm kind of almost confused. He said, it's like there's so much stuff that I really want to be able to do that I kind of don't know where to start. Can't see the wood for the trees. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. And I said to him, you need to break things down into small goals. And I said, the tough thing with guitar is the better you get and the longer you're playing, the goals that you have are not as tangible, especially to other people, as when you start. When you start, if you know a chord because a mate's just showed you it, and then along comes a guitar teacher and shows you three more, well, you know a whole bunch of chords now, you know four. So you know four times as much as you did last week. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a pretty steep learning curve. I wish I knew yeah. four times as much as I did last week. <laughs> yeah. Whereas when you've been playing a while, it's maybe it might be something stupidly tiny, like the angle of the pick when you're attacking certain lines, which allows you to slice through the strings as opposed to tripping you up all the time. You know, it might be refining your picking, trying to bring pick and fingers in, or trying to introduce some country licks, or trying to do something different, or it might even be something even more minuscule than that you get down to this real nitty-gritty factor where it's like a refinement. It's, it's you know, it's evolution, not revolution. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, in tiny increments. So with this stuff... Of, that's right. So yeah. with, with this stuff that I'm showing you, people might say, oh, well, you could learn this and you could learn that. And Yeah, I think in an ideal world, it's great to go up one to the area of the neck, say the D, G and B strings as an example. Learn every B minor shape going up 
and then do that with all the other strings and then all of the other chords of course it is and then not like know what every note is above and below and either side of the note you're playing and all of the different inversions and permutations of the chords that you could play absolutely right yep that's totally valid but at the same time it's good to be able to just get out there and play it part of what makes our podcast a little different from others is that we offer something to people who've been playing a long time and we offer something to people who've been playing an intermediate amount of time and hit that level and maybe the weekend warrior who wants to put in some hendrix double stops yeah yeah but isn't going to sit there for hours and hours and hours pondering over the b natural minor scale and every permutation thereof and for him this is probably enough but others who want to do some digging further by all means do it that's the beauty of the guitar you take it where you want to take it yeah but start with this nugget as an idea and then take that and move the game on yeah and if you want help moving it on at all you know i refer you to the website because we've done a bit of digging on there as well haven't we so you know you can have a look at some youtube videos we found and hopefully uh, you'll get some use out of those posts too yeah I mean, maybe if there's anything that people would really like us to go through and we look at it and we feel it's a, a valid thing to go through, maybe people can make suggestions. Yeah, comment on the website. Yeah, make a, drop us a line, drop us a comment. We'll have a look at it, we'll have a discussion about it and um, if enough people seem interested in that, maybe we can do a podcast about that. Yeah, that's very cool, yeah. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar gear. If you enjoy this podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website at tuneintoneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and other resources. I hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them. (laughs) 